into the great Scott show coming at you on a Wednesday morning. And as promised, joining me now, following MCA's first verse in Long Burn the Fire would be my good friend Ralph Malbro. You guys know him as the main host of the Saints Happy Hour columnist for WWLTV.com and a friend of mine, friend of this program, Good morning, Ralph. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. I want to say, the Beastie Boys, I love the Beastie Boys, and I watched the documentary on Apple Plus, which is amazing, by the way, if you are interested in music and the Beastie Boys. And so I, I, I was like, hey, I don't have any Beastie Boys on my phone. It's just one of those things that didn't get transferred over. So I downloaded the anthology of their greatest hits, oh, yeah. and I got my son He's obsessed with the Beastie Boys. And this, I want to tell you, Scott, I feel like I unlocked a dad achievement. We were in the car. We were driving back from San Antonio uh, Sunday. And Elton John's Benny and the Jets came on. And he said to me, Bismarckies. He said, he said, why is that man singing Bismarckies song? And I was like, yes. Because on the Beastie Boys anthology, they have Bismarckies. Pretty. Pretty. And by the way, it's that's right. It's the best cover version of any song anywhere. If you don't, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's amazing. Just no, say, no. I'm see, that's that's why we're good friends, Ralph. ESPN fourteen. And off to a great start. <laughs> no, yeah, no. The documentary is great. The book, it's a long read. It's uh, the Beastie Boys book is absolutely fantastic. Um, and of course, their music. Yeah, no. My kids, when they ride with me, that's all they hear. Now, I've 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 downloaded some of the clean versions of some of the hits that don't have fully clean lyrics and they, you know, but they, they each have their own favorite too. Like my two year old loves Shadrach. I mean, she only, she can't say too many words, but she loves, you know, that one. Um, my three year old, her favorite one is remote control. And then my son who's six, I mean, it can be, you know, he loves sabotage. He loves fight for you. Right. You know, he loves more of their commercial hits, but they, they all like hold it now, hit it. I mean, they request boys now. So speaking of dad achievements, I mean, Sure Shot's a good one. I had this old yeah. like cheap karaoke mic that he found at my parents' house that I had when I was younger. And the other day, I got home and he was playing with it, and he was going, "What you, what you, what you want?" And I was so proud. <laughs> <laughs> my kid, he's he's, he's he likes Intergalactic because he likes the video because it's got the. Got the Godzilla, they got the monsters, right? It combines his two favorite things. But right now, his favorite song that he requests is Sober Violence. And I'm like, why do you like that song? He's like, because it's loud. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We It's not a Beastie Boys podcast. We're, we're going to talk right. Saints here. Uh, but I got to ask you, what, what's your personal favorite? I mean, I really like I, I like Jimmy James and I like Rump Shaker are my like two go to Beastie Boy. Shake songs, your I shake think. your uh, shake your rump or Rump Shaker. Yeah, sh- uh, shake your shake your rump. That's the one. There you go. <laughs> anyway, I, 
I like past the mic. Um, I, I love past the mic. I love a lot of stuff off of the Hello Nasty album as well. Um, you know, but Intergalactic's great. Remote Control's great. Jimmy James, you mentioned that one. It's awesome. There's so many, man. I mean, yeah. where do we even well, start? You know, I mean, even even the To the Five Burrows album, which didn't have a ton of great stuff on it. I mean, check it out or open letter to NYC. I mean, either good, mm-hmm. good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Sure Shot's well, probably either Sure Shot or Pass the Mic, though, are my, is my favorite. Here's the thing. We can tie it into the Saints because. Let's do it. Like, I look at Mike Thomas and I'm like, what you, what you, what you want, man? Like, what is he, <laughs> like, what does he want? He's, he's liking posts about how. The Saints pressured him to not have the surgery last year so that Drew, Drew Brees could win a ring. But then I'm like, okay, Mike, if that's true, then why didn't you have the surgery the day after the Tampa game if you wanted to have it during the 2020 season? It's just – it makes no sense with Michael Thomas. And and to me, Scott, it's just this picking of the scab, and I just don't – like – the. We'll have to see. Maybe he'll get healthy and it'll be fine. But it just seems like it's gasoline on top of gasoline, and there's no there's no end to the uh, to the fighting. It just like flares up every couple weeks. It, it it it's a good point. You know why wait? And then, I, I, is there more to it than this? Like somebody that works in the building with me, they're like Thomas is just he's kind of like you know. An amazing player, but like you look at Kamara, and you know Kamara got the contract. Kamara doesn't really care what anyone thinks. Like he, not to say that every now and then he might, you know, have a day where he's in a mood or whatever. But it's not like he's he doesn't seem too too bothered by like a perception. Whereas like mm-hmm. he, it's more just jokes. Whereas like Michael Thomas, I mean. You know, like I had my friend Luke Johnson on yesterday, and he's on the beat, and he covers the Saints, and I've known Luke for a long time. And Luke is not – like Luke's a, a a great writer, but like I would never describe him as like somebody that like is salacious or writes anything mm. like – oh, I mean, Thomas blocked him a long time ago. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I just I, – I he's like, I happen to see Thomas's, you know – um, I wouldn't even call it a cryptic tweet at this point, but his tweet Monday morning because someone else shared it, and I was like, oh, you know, um, it, it, it's it's his thing is he feels like Thomas, based on the contract and everything else, and because he's a star, you're gonna have the well, it's this, there's this fork in the road, and you either have to trade him or trade him, and I he doesn't look at it like that. Frankly, I don't either. I think. Right now, it's kind of this. It's not so much a fork, but there are a lot of bumps in the road. It's almost like Nintendo's mm-hmm. Excite bike, and you just you know did the large platform over and over on Creative Course, where you have to kind of get through this tough sledding, and then it'll eventually come back after injury, and then they'll be asked about it. They'll just deflect and say, "Wait till the off season." He might like a tweet or two after a game where he plays good or bad. Fans will flip out. Peyton will ignore it. And they really won't make it. Like, to me, the bigger question, Ralph, and maybe you totally disagree. Maybe you think it's it's now or never. I think the question of what's Thomas's future with the Saints is more so one we're asking next spring, okay, are they going to cut him as soon as, you know, June 1st hits, or are they going to try to mm-hmm. trade him? I, I just don't see a path where it happens right now. 
No, because the thing is, he's he's it's a it's a ten million dollar hit if they if they cut if they cut or trade him after June first, twenty twenty two. It's ten million dollar hit for twenty twenty two, and a thirteen million dollar hit for twenty twenty three. So they're not doing anything with Michael Thomas until next June. That's my guess, and we don't we can't they can't make any decisions on him until they get a stretch of him being healthy because. He just may be a guy, Scott, that does not deal well when he does not have his insane routine and playing to sort of guide him. Like, he's a maniac and in the best way. Like, he wants the biggest contract. He wants all the endorsements. He wants all the attention. He wants all the catches. And, like, when he's injured, he can't have any of it, right? So maybe he's just not dealing well with being injured. So – Maybe he gets healthy and he gets a good six, eight-game stretch to finish the year, and then we'll see where he is. Like, if he's healthy and still being difficult, then I think the trade uh, warnings and sirens are in full blast. But, you know, he may get healthy, and sure, he he may only play six good games this year. But it may be six games where, like, he played six games the last six games, and he had he had 680 yards and four touchdowns. Michael Thomas is back. 2022, he's fine. It's cool. Like, or he may play. He may play really well and and still complain. And then you then you have to change the calculus. But we don't know until he's healthy. I mean, he's gonna go. He's gonna go a year and a half, basically, Scott, where he's not going to play, and that just is like a monkey wrench into everything. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I think. Um... <clears throat> He's, I mean, I maintain he's like Christian Bale, just great, but also extremely hard to work with and deal with. And on the other side, Ralph, let's just, let's, let's assess injury situation with the Saints for a moment. We can say, look, they've had different trainers, different doctors over the years. Everything is not Delvin Bro. And that's true. But I mean, in Pierre Thomas's tell all interview with me back in, 2019 I mean we he basically opened up and kind of misdiagnoses got into it with the coach coach wanted him to play he couldn't coach said he should do this route other doctors said he should do something else cost him a lot of money all right fast forward uh, you know five years later with Delvin Bro in 2015 I mean they got him out there with a broken leg in practice and then you know bro gets treated poorly by coach Peyton who thinks he's somehow faking it they get in a fist fight which he told again on this show told me that story <laughs> and and then bro is suddenly cut and that's it and no no apology and now he's not in the NFL and he's back to the CFL and you know I, Lutz showed up to camp with a groin injury i mean it was already there i granted it was on the NFI list but after a couple of days of kicking now he needs surgery like my point is I'm not. I'm not a doctor, even though a lot of people pretend to be one on Facebook. I don't. I don't. I don't know if, how great the Saints staff is or isn't. All I know is the track record of. Listen, let's not act like everything the Saints have done from a medical standpoint has been perfect, regardless of how many different people they've had in those positions. There have been mistakes. So. My question is, do you think there's more to this Michael Thomas story that we're just not hearing yet? Or is just this MT, you know, kind of just being his normal insecure self? I mean, it's here, here's the thing. 
The Saints, I'm not a doctor just like you, but I will say this about the Saints. They have a history of pushing guys, and all teams do, pushing guys to not get surgery during the year. Cam Jordan even said it after 2019. He's like, huh, now they tell me I need surgery after the year. And his like, groin was like ripped off his bone. Right. right? So like teams, teams do that. Like Teams push guys to play during the year because you only got six now 17 weeks. Teams are going to push guys to play because the coach's jobs depend on it. They want to win and that sort of thing. So that's just the, the way of the NFL, right? But the thing is, with the Saints, they have this history on the doctors, not so great, right? So it, 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 it makes us question them and that sort of thing. But uh, I will say – this is, it's been better, right? They fired all the doctors, so they've changed it. And, you know, the thing with Michael Thomas, until he talks, like, we don't know. Like, liking a tweet and sending out an Instagram, like, uh, uh, a quote about your, um, you know, your reputation, like, that isn't going to do it. So unless he's going to speak on it, you can't really know. Um, and also, too, like, the Saints – in, I would say in the last four years, like the level of what they do culture-wise and treating players, like it is above and beyond. So like Michael Thomas to me is the outlier. I mean, you look at DeMario Davis, they would fly him back and forth to see his sick daughter when she had the eye issue with the cancer. Like, like uh, Gail Benson goes above and beyond. So the last four years, I think, the, the the perception of the Saints and what they're doing to me is changed. So I just I'm not sure. Michael Thomas may be the outlier here, or maybe the outlier for the Saints simply is just medical, right? Like Janoris Jenkins, yeah. it's not like he had you know a ton of he didn't have any significant injuries in his two years with mm-hmm. the Saints, right? I think maybe the outlier is, look, he goes out and says they're hands down the best organization I've ever played for, how they treat players, how it's a, you know, they treat you like an adult, it's respectable, it's great, it's well run. You mentioned what they do for DeMario Davis, all of that. Maybe the one outlier is the one thing they don't do great is how they handle the injuries on the team. And, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not in there. I don't know for a fact. I only know from stories of former players and – um, and now this Michael Thomas situation, like if he doesn't get hurt on a freak play at the beginning of last season when he should not have been on the field anyway, that was, look, that was Sean Payton being petty. He's trying to run trick plays late in the game, score late in the game in week one against Tampa. That's what it was. I mean, as much as it's celebrated by Saints fans, they don't need to be running these plays late in the game that they're up multiple scores and have Michael Thomas out there blocking for Taysom Hill, who's trying to add a middle finger touchdown at the end of a game. Um, and he got hurt on that play. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, who knows what happens last year, but I certainly don't think we're in this. They're not in this current situation. And that's not to say that it, it's just one play. I mean, it's a medical thing. It's a Michael Thomas mm-hmm. thing. It's a combination but it is worth pointing out. Let's not forget that as much as we love Sean Payton being petty, it it was um, kind of the the first, I guess, pebble thrown in a chain reaction of where we are currently, and that's 
all right, the the the, the star of camp is a UDFA receiver who is now <laughs> undeniably the number one guy. That's right. Marquez Callaway, baby. Saints, they do more with Tennessee players than Tennessee. It's true. That's facts. That is a fact. Uh, Marquez Calloway. He so let's 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 transition there though because I don't I don't want to just be a complete downer. Um, Calloway, you know, one of the stars of camp, getting a lot of hype, getting a lot of praise, all this other stuff. What is another? Because it's been a really rough off season, and it has not been the greatest start to training camp for the Saints. I think uh, is putting it lightly. What is a positive note other than Calloway that I, that you that you you've you've kind of been like okay, I dig it. I think the most positive thing for the Saints is they've invested a ton on both lines, right? That you know they have Ramchek and Armstead and McCoy and Pete and and Ruiz. Like that's a ton of first round picks. It's a ton of money. That offensive line, it looks freaking amazing, right? And the defensive line, you got Davenport yesterday destroyed people in the red zone. You got Peyton Turner looking really good. Granderson is looking really good at edge. Maybe Cam Jordan, he'd be fully recovered from his his injury issue of you know after 2019 he couldn't he couldn't rehab like he wanted because of the pandemic. So if their lines, Scott, are end up being elite you know like their offensive line people say it's the best one in the league offensive line i i believe that but if they get a good pass rush from the end then they're dominant up front and i'm telling you if you dominate football up front i don't care what the analytics nerds tell you about running the ball doesn't matter and stopping the run doesn't matter they're freaking wrong if the saints are dominant up front they're going to be in a playoff. They'll be in contention for a playoff spot. Now, they may have things that do them, quarterback play, corner play. But if you dominate up front and you can move people where you want to move them, then you're going to be, you'll be, you'll be at least average. So, like, they're potentially dominant up front, and that will make them 8 and 9, 9 and 8, no matter what else happens, if they stay healthy. So that's my, that's my positive spin on this uh, Wednesday morning. All right, I'll take it. I mean, anything, because I have been accused by the listeners of this program of being way too pessimistic, and I'm, I just feel like I'm being a realist. Like, here is where I've been with this team. Ralph Malbro, our guest, ESPN 1420. If you're not listening to the Saints Happy Hour podcast, do it. Uh, they got a big following here in Lafayette, and with good reason. It's fun. It's Saints. Enjoy it. Um, like, I went from I think this team's going to be nine and eight or ten and seven, and I I no longer feel that way based on player suspensions, um, likely mm-hmm. suspensions, injuries. Uh, you know the, the fact that whoever the number two corner is is just not going to be good. Uh, they might trade for one. Okay, well then Lattimore at some point is probably going to have to serve a suspension. Um, after DeMario Davis, we don't know what you have at linebacker. I know folks were excited about Quan or Pete Warner or Zach Bonner, whatever. Guys, we have no idea. Quan with the injury, the other two, you know, the uh, Bond didn't do squat last year and Warner's a rookie. I, well, remember Scott back in this draft, this, yeah, I remember the past of the Saints. You don't need to tell me about the history of the team. I know it. And so does my guest right now, Ralph. He's a Saints historian. I'm just looking at reality and this team on paper is a lot less talented than they were a season ago. They've got some elite players, and then in terms of the middle of that cake, 
it's not much. It kind of goes to the bottom real, real quick. Uh, you got a great O-line. You got a great running back. You have a solid running back after the Murray. Um, you have question marks at quarterback. Uh, folks are excited about Troutman. You've, you've lost a lot of tight end. That's the reality. Um, at receiver, you're probably going to have to start a UDFA. And then I don't even know who's going to be starting week one if Traquan Smith is still hurt. It might have to be Chris Hogan or Tommy Lee freaking Lewis, and that's not even a joke. It's true. Uh, or Lil Jordan that's a, Humphrey. That's a, that's a, that, that, you needed a trigger warning. If you were just, but it's true. It's true. Like, Ralph, okay, so Horrible. Deontay Harris is probably, he's, he might have to serve a suspension because of the Dewey. He's going to three games. Yeah, and and do you even want to use him a lot at receiver when you look at how, yeah. how impactful he is in special teams and every time he played receiver he seemed to get hurt. So, you, you got to do that week one. You, you got who knows what you're going to have at corner week one when you're facing Aaron Rod. These are these are facts. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm just yeah. you got a a, a a really good corner who, if it's time for the final exam, he's going to ace it and it's going to be great because he knows it counts for half the grade. If it's just a daily quiz that only counts for five percent, he's not going to study and he might fail that. Like that's Lattimore. Not to mention he's probably going to have to serve a suspension. Marcus Williams is good. Malcolm Jenkins is older. You know, on Yamada suspended, like all of this stuff, Ralph. Now you got a kicker who's, you know, wasn't on a team as of two days ago. I'm not not trying to be a pessimist. I feel like I'm being a realist. I do not think the Saints are going to have a winning record in 2021. Lord knows I hope I'm wrong. The fan in me, you know, bet, you know, a little sports book somewhere that the Saints would win it all. And knowing in my heart it won't happen, but I still had to do it. There's still that fan of me, Ralph, but the realist in me says no winning season in 2021. Am I am I wrong or are you the crazy one? Well, no, I don't think I'm. I don't think you're. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. And listen, the Saints were always going to be, and I probably said this on your show the last time. Their their roster, because of the salary cap, it was always going to be fragile. And the last three years, basically 18, 19, and 20, we went into the year and we're like. There's nothing that can go wrong that's going to stop the Saints from winning ten games. Like we saw it in like in 2019, they missed, they didn't have Breeze for five weeks. Kamara got hurt, and he wasn't his normal great self. They still went 13 and three last year. They played Taysom for four weeks. They didn't have Michael Thomas. Didn't score a touchdown. They still went 12 and four. Like we knew, like this roster, they didn't win a championship, but they had the best roster in the NFL, top to bottom. In in 2018, 2019, and 2020, the Saints did. That they didn't win a Super Bowl doesn't change that fact. But now it's fragile. You got a lot of question marks to answer, right? My thing with the Saints is I always looked at this year as like they're going to need a lot to go right to be a playoff team, and I've sort of accepted that. My thing now, Scott is with the Saints is just get me to Halloween against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Just get to Halloween in the Superdome and be in contention. And I'm not talking about Super Bowl contention. I'm talking about get to Halloween and be like three and four or four and three or, 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 and, you know, just be a couple games behind Tampa or a game behind a wild card. Just make it so our season isn't over when we get to October. Don't start out one and four. One, get, you know, because I think if the Saints can get to like, if they could be like three and five, three and four, or four and four, even three and five when they get to October at the end of October, they'll get everybody back and they'll make a push and it'll be fun. I just we look so forward to this, right? We look forward to football season all year, Scott. I just want it to be fun. I want the games to matter. 
when you get to November, that's all I want out of the Saints. The winning record doesn't even matter. Like, if the NFC South becomes a dumpster fire because Brady gets hurt and his deal with the devil expires, and, like, the winner of the South is, like, 8-9, and nine, and the Saints go 7-10, and 10, like, that's cool. Like, I just want these games to matter because we look forward to it all year. I don't want to be at Thanksgiving and looking at mock draft. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't want. And, and and all the Saints fans out there are like, you guys don't realize you hadn't been a fan as long as me. It's kind of fun. It's not fun. Shut up. If you're saying that, you haven't been. You try to make fun it fun me. to just, pre, you know, it's, it's like the, I'm laughing so I don't cry. But if somebody like myself, I know you and how long you've covered this team, Whenever you're, you're, you're like one thing you're holding on to is I hope Ashley Ambrose makes the Pro Bowl and that's about it. <laughs> Nineteen ninety nine Saints, <laughs> like it's it's not it's it's not it's not fun. Well, here, it's not fun. Here's the thing, like it's fun. It's fun for like two weeks because you're like we are a dumpster fire. We can play yakety sax music over it. Like this is it's funny for like two weeks, but then. Once you lose and continues, and you're like, "Oh yeah, it's the middle of November, and we're two and nine, and I hate the fact that I have to watch this game, and it's no fun." And then you're like, "Do I root for him to win? Do I root for him to lose for draft position?" Like, it's not, it's not fun at all. And then the people that that are my age are the worst. Like, they have nostalgia, like. Ditka, the end of Ditka Ugh. was horrific, man. Oh. It is, it is, ho- it is horrible in a sense where, like, I mean, like in 2005, right? I was just like, this season is flushed down the toilet. I was like, I want one go- Like in the middle of the year, I just started rooting for the Saints to lose games because I was like, let's lose games. Let's pick number one. Let's get Reggie Reggie Bush, like. And it's kind of cathartic to root for them to lose for a draft position. But until you get to that point, and that point only happens like the last two or three weeks, like until you get to that point, it's just, it's just miserable. It would, be, it would be much more fun, Scott. And I, I, I really believe this. I think the funnest scenario for the Saints, people screamed at me on Twitter yesterday, but, 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 but hang with me. The funnest scenario for the Saints, I think, is they go 10-7. and seven. And they go 10-7 and because their defensive and offensive lines are dominant. And Jameis or Taysom, whoever they play a quarterback, in the offseason, the Saints decide, we're not paying either one of these guys because we lost in the divisional round. Jameis was still Jameis. Taysom is old. But you know what? We got Ian Book, and we're going with Ian Book. That, to me, would be the most fun scenario because it would melt Saints Twitter to the ground. And also, if you have a good quarterback on a rookie salary, all your cap problems disappear. So that's really my dream scenario for the 2021 Saints. I know it's weird, but that's that's my dream scenario. More likely, it's probably going to be like Eight, nine, nine, uh, nine, and eight, maybe. I just—it's gonna be—it's gonna be bumpy. But look, my question to you is: What do you? Th- if I said to you, Scott, pick me one guy, not a quarterback, that can just—he will just have the most amazing Saint season you've ever seen in your life. Who would you want it to be? Ever seen in my life? Who would I want it to be? Yeah, like one guy, just one guy that you. I mean, so. If I'm being honest, I would want it to be Alvin Kamara because that means that means the Saints are great. I mean, I shouldn't say great. Let me let me rephrase. That means the Saints could legitimately actually have a winning record, be in the playoffs because 
this guy that's art because you you'd be topping things that he's already done. So I, I, it's probably not yeah, the answer right. you're looking for, but like if he no, were to have that kind of year, you know, number two on the list, I would say Troutman because it would mean that the Saints mm-hmm. have a oh my god they've they've got a generational talent at tight end. He might not even be good. We don't know. I mean, he's he's getting hyped up yeah. like he's you know future Tony Gonzalez or something. Let's, let's pump the brakes, guys. The Saints are not as good at tight end this year as they were last year. I mean, they're moving an oversized receiver to tight end because why? Because, you know, and that's a, a, a receiver, a position where it's wide open because they don't have any depth there. I'm sorry. Now I'm starting to be negative. I'm not trying to, you know, I would go, I would yeah. go Camaro one. I mean, the, uh, the, the, I, I, I hesitate to say just Taysom, but mm-hmm. let's be honest. If, if Jameis Winston had like an MVP season, everyone would feel like, man, you just, you've just, the, the Saints are set for ten more years of quarterback, and it's amazing. I guess yeah. that's probably well, the think, right answer, but like, I don't know, man. I just, I'm I, thinking long term here. You know, my answer is a little bit of a crawfish, but let's hear. If it. you could, if you told me I could have one player, I wouldn't even want a player. If you told me the Saints' offensive line, you're going to get 17 starts out of the same five guys, and they're going to play and they're going to be healthy. All year long. You don't even need to guarantee me like Ruiz is great or whatever. Just give me those five guys healthy 17 weeks. The Saints will be a 500 team. Like, because I believe they'll just, they'll just mash people. And yes, I'm putting, in that scenario, I would be putting a lot of trust on Sean Payton to figure out receiver to limit quarterback issues and that sort of thing. But I've seen it with Sean Payton. Like, I know his track record. Like, he got Luke McCown to almost beat the NFC champion Carolina Panthers. Like if the saints are dominant up front, they'll be okay. Like that to me, if the offensive line starts getting dinged, I'm starting. Oh to no, yeah, no, that's, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's, that's where you're yeah. like, you look, we, we, t- you and I, we managed to somehow always do it. It was reminisce about the 2000 saints team and the D line gets a ton of love, understandably so. I mean, Darren right. Howard, Norman Hand, rest in peace, Leroy Glover, Joe Johnson. But the offense, they started every game that year. You had right. an all-decade player in Willie Rofe. You had Kyle Turley at his peak. You had Chris Naoli at his peak. You had Jerry Fontenot, who was a just seasoned veteran, native of yep. Lafayette, by the way, that was, wasn't a Pro Bowler, but Pro Bowl caliber. I mean, you had... Yep. And Wally, Wally Williams, Williams was still you – know, he was probably at his peak, you know. And this yeah. old line on paper, they don't have a Willie Rofe yet. Um, they don't. But I would say top to bottom, it is a better offensive line than mm-hmm. the one in 2000. And that 2000 team, you're talking backups galore. You're not, it's not like they had elite cornerbacks or, or secondary players mm-hmm. that year. They had, you know, some linebackers that had career years, a great offensive line, and parts. And they end up going out and, you know, I say parts. I mean, look, that's that didn't tell the whole story. You know, you had Jeff Blake, then you had, then you had Aaron Brooks. But you know, Joe Horn was was a Pro Bowler that year, but no one knew who he was before the season. My point is, you look at that 2000 team, and of all the injuries they sustained, Ralph, if they had had significant injuries to the offensive line, they. They would not have won that division. The Rams would have won it. They may not have been in the playoffs. It was that old line was probably the biggest key and most forgotten aspect of why that team was oh. as good as they were. 
I mean, 100. That team, we always, we always end up back in the 2006. I love it. But that team, they went to San Francisco, and they started Terry Allen's corpse at running mm-hmm. back. That's right. And he ran for 80 yards and a touchdown. Like they were like, it don't matter who we put at running Gerald back. Gerald Moore. Yeah. We <laughs> yeah, we'll put Gerald Moore, and he'll score a couple of touchdowns against the world champion Rams on the road. It don't matter. Yes, would we love to have in-shape Ricky Williams until he broke his ankle? He was killing people. Would we love to have hand off the ball to him? Yeah. But you know what? It don't even matter. Like, that's how dominant that offensive line was. And that just – you talk about – that was with McCarthy and Hazlitt running the show. Yeah. Can you imagine – if they get 17 weeks of this offensive line being healthy and not missing games and dominating, because the thing is, it'll just open so much because Jameis will have all the time in the world he wants, and all his passing downs will be second and four, third and three, and it'll be, hey, Jameis, you don't make mistakes. Just just jump it off to Troutman and get another first down, and we'll hand the ball off again. And it would be, it could be a possibility, Scott, where not that the Saints' offense completely changes because Sean Payton, he loves to throw the ball. He loves to design passes. I don't think that's going to change. But I think there's a real possibility with this Saints team that we look at them, if they're successful in the middle of the year, and they're like, we're like, they're going in, let's say it's the best case scenario. We're going into the Tampa game, and they're like the Halloween game. They're like five and five and two or five and three, right? And I would bet you, when you look at their offense, they'll be like fourth in rushing and like 12, 13 in passing. And we'll be like, what is this madness that Sean Payton is cooking up? And it'll just be because it'll be like, you know what? I'm going to ride this dominant offensive line. He's not, like Sean Payton, for all the, the criticism he gets, he's not dumb. He, you know, against. The greatest example is the Denver game last year. He flat out told Taysom, he's like, they don't have a quarterback. We cannot lose this game. I'm going to make sure we don't lose it. And you know how I'm going to make sure we don't lose it? You're not going to throw. And, like, that's what they did. So Sean Payton is, like, he's got an ego, but it's in check always to, to the best way for the Saints to win. He's not like Mike March. Remember Mike March was like, I just, I'm not going to max protect, and if my quarterback dies, he yeah. dies. because I just want to throw the ball down the field 50 times. I don't need like, to hand it off to my all-pro future Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't like like Sean Payton. Would, he'll never he'll never be that way. So the Saints still have a chance. You know, the thing is that to me is so interesting about this Saints team is there's so many possibilities. Like it could you could have a bunch of things fall right, and we could go into the last week of the where we're like, okay, they win this game, maybe they get a little help and they win the division. Or it could be a Scott, Scott, it could be a scenario where like they're still really good on offensive line, but we go into the last week of the year and they're like seven and nine or whatever and we're like, they lost freaking four games because they didn't have they didn't have a field goal kicker in there any any stunk and they've lost yes, yes. you know they lost five games by one score and you know they coughed up a couple leads late because Jameis was dumb. Like or it could be even worse. You know, there's a the Saints. I joked on the podcast last night. Anywhere from five to twenty-five. Like the scenarios for the 2021 Saints are endless, and it's just a place we have not been with the Saints in a really, really long time. You're a damn good salesman, Ralph. Gosh darn it. <laughs> now you see you you point out the like what if, what if, what if. Now 
it is worth pointing out that everyone on that old line, Ryan Ramchick's only missed one game, right? But everyone else on that old line has dealt with some injuries. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one on the old line, Cesar Ruiz, you know, he, he uh, kind of whiffed on a block that broke half of Drew Brees' rib cage last year. Um, he needs to take a big step forward. Um, I, Eric McCoy's solid, like him a lot. Andrews Pete, we, we've, we've spent enough time talking about him. Um, and then Tron Armstead, when he misses time, he's, you know, the, the saints feel it. The guy is incredible and the guy plays through injuries a lot, meaning that when he's not playing, you know, he's really, really hurt. So yeah, give it 17 weeks, 17 games of the saints O line starting together as a unit. You're right. I think if that happens, they probably do finish much better than I'm anticipating. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the real, the, the realistic side of it is someone on that old line is probably going to, or multiple people probably are going to miss time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking right now, later today at camp, Andrews Pete might, you know, accidentally, you know, step on his thumb or, 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 you know, get bit by a wasp. And now he's going to be in a cast for a month. No, it's you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, but the thing is, with, with, when you have all this negativity, right, and the Saints, I, I joke that it's like, a, like it's like a poop Voltron. You know, one of these things in isolation is not bad, like Will Lutz getting hurt or Onyemata getting suspended or Deontay Harris being hurt or Michael Thomas having surgery. Like, in isolation, they're not bad. But when you merge them all together, it's like making a poop Voltron. So that sort of weighs us down with negativity, right? We're just like, oh, everything can go wrong, everything can go wrong. But the thing is, there's going to be things in this season, no matter how, it, whether it's 10 and 7, 7 and 10, 12 and 5, whatever it is, there's going to be things that are going to turn out positive, these questions we have, that are going to go right. Like the Saints, they might go 7 and 10, but Troutman might have 900 yards, or Davenport might, might be healthy, or Peyton Turner is going to be good, or unvaccinated corner will be decent. Like some of these questions we have, like the answers will be good. The problem for the Saints is, Scott, it's just so many questions. Ralph Malbro, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Saints writer for WWLTV.com. You'll catch him on WWLTV during the season early on Monday mornings. Saints Happy Hour, at Saints Happy Hour on Twitter. Uh, he, Juge, Kevin, Dave, uh, they got it, man. It's, it's a blast. Always have fun. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to... Uh, appear on it a couple times and uh, and shop it up with uh, with some of you guys but I love what you guys do have for years and uh, how many years is this now I mean you guys this thing started oh years this was before everyone had a podcast when you no, guys started it we start and that's what we did poor I did poor marketing the thing is I didn't get, I didn't get hop on Twitter soon enough but we started doing the podcast on blog talk something called blog talk radio me and Kevin started doing it in 2000 and Seven? That's wild, man. Or, yeah, 2007. 2007. So the show's like next year, you're going to be celebrating 15 years. Like, that's right. There aren't many podcasts in the in existence that have been around for, for 14 years, <laughs> that's and that's right. where y'all are right now. Scott, and this is ridiculous. This to me is ridiculous. Now, when you, when you add it over 14 years, it doesn't seem like a lot. 3.1 million downloads of the show. That's and awesome. like for the first like three or four years, we barely cracked like 300 downloads a month. So basically over the last like probably 10 years, we've had like 3 million downloads, which to me, it just boggles 
my mind that people love and embrace the show like they do and are so loyal. And it's just, it's just amazing to me that the, the, the appetite that people have for saints football is never ending. And the thing that I love about saints, saints fans in general is mostly they care more about fun than they do about X's and O's and strategy and all that. Yeah, that's important. But mostly Saints fans, like, we just want to have fun. And I like the fact that people have embraced it. It never, it never ceases to amaze and just humble me that people care uh, like they do about the show. It's funny because you guys were doing a show in 2007 3.1 million downloads now is still less in salary if it was 3.1 million dollars than the Saints paid Kevin Casefaharn to be in their secondary. They gave him yeah, a 3.25 right. million dollar signing bonus and a four-year 10 million dollar deal. He only played half of it back at 30 years old when when your podcast was getting started. So there you have it. I mean, and they paid Jason David even more in 07. So that that's. That's how long you guys have been on there, back when Case Fahorn and Jason David were the the big free agent signings that were going to really improve the Saints secondary that struggled in the NFC title game out in the snow. People said people and I will end on this guy. People always tell me on Twitter that the really the the negative Saints fans that think it's gonna be there. So they're like, You are delusional about this or about that. I'm like, listen, I talked myself into Danny Joe Holbert at quarterback. Billy Joe, sorry. I merged them all. All of them. All of them. I get it. All of them. I talked myself into that. I talked myself into Brian Simmons at linebacker Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. 2000. You think I can't talk myself into Jameis being good? Like – I'm delusional. It's August. If I, I'll be, I'll be sad and doom and negative when the season starts and the losses pile up. Until then, I'm going to be delusional. I'm going to talk myself into grand fun seasons because if we're not going to be fun and dream big in August, Scott, what are we doing here? I mean, Alex Molden gets drafted before Eddie George. <laughs> He's going to be the next. Uh, you know, right. Eric Allen. Oh, wait, they had Eric Allen. Well, yeah, about two years too late. Uh, oh, okay. Well, he'll <laughs> he'll be the next Deion Sanders. No, he'll end up not even being able to start on a playoff team that just signs Kevin Mathis off the street. We could go on and on, but yes, the things we used to talk ourselves into, and I love it. It's like Danny Joe Tolliver Nussmeyer. Like, let's just put them all. Right. Uh, Delome, which of course of that group, guess Delome. who went on to have a great career? The guy right. who only played at the very end of the season and went on and spent a decade in the NFL and a friend of mine and Jake DeLone, but talked ourselves in all of them. And of course the, 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 the one out of that entire group that actually had an NFL career, they, uh, they let go to a division rival. That's right. So of that's, course. that's, that's just how it goes with the saints, or at least that's how it that's used right. to go. So you basically, what you're saying, Ralph is if you guys think I'm delusional now, you just, you hadn't been around long enough. That's your point. No, that's <laughs> right. That's right. And the thing is like, we're going to laugh. We're going to have fun either way. And the thing is, people tell me, oh, if you don't get your hopes up, then you can't be disappointed. I'm like, listen, if the Saints are terrible 21, it stinks either way. Uh, if, you, if you believe, if you're pessimistic, you experience it twice. 
You experience it when you're worrying it's going to happen, and then you experience it. If you're positive, you only experience the sadness one time. That's my attitude, Scott. Great stuff. Ralph Malbro. Ralph, before I let you run, man, I know I've talked about the pod and what you got going on. Anything else you want to um, put out there to the, the listeners before I let you go? We're on Twitch now on the live stream. So if you're a gamer and you like the Saints, find us on Twitch. Just search Saints Happy Hour on Twitch and follow our channel. That's where we're doing the live stream because it's way more fun than YouTube. That's all I ask. If you're a gamer and you're on Twitch, find us there. All right. Great stuff. Ralph, appreciate it as always, my friend. Great talking Saints. Anytime, Scott. I got Jimmy James on for you to close you out there. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to dig into the preseason college top 25 coaches poll. Louisiana coming in at 23, Coastal Carolina at 24, Texas at 19, LSU at 13, How does Rage Occasion defensive tackle Zion Hill feel about being ranked in the top 25? What about Billy Napier? You'll hear what they have to think next. Plus, all this chatter about Peyton Manning following his Hall of Fame speech. It it was an awesome speech, but this talk about where he might wind up in the future is completely ridiculous and is never going to happen. Open phone lines as well at 269-1077. The Great Scott Show continues right after this at TSPN1420.com.